For this episode of Farrington's Features, we're looking at the important topic of mental health and well-being. And to help us do that, we're meeting Emily, Elliot, Nikki and Archie, who are trained as peer mentors. We'll also be chatting to teachers Simon Smith and Blair Farrant, who lead much of Farrington's approach to pastoral care and well-being. So let's meet our guests at Farrington School. Hello, everyone. Hello. Good morning. Okay. So first thing is to see who we have with us. I'm right in thinking we have Mr. Smith and Miss Farrant there. Yeah, good morning. So uh, I'm Mr. Smith and I'm the Assistant Head Pastoral and the School's Safeguarding Lead. Excellent. Thanks for joining us, Mr. Smith. And who else do we have? Hi, uh, I'm Miss Farrant. Um, I am PE teacher and the mental health lead of the school. Brilliant. So two expert guests, really uh, well placed to help us out with today's topic. But who else do you have there uh, to join us also? Hi, I'm Emily. Hello, Emily. Hi, I'm Elliot. Good to see you, Elliot. Hi, I'm Archie. Hello, Archie. Hi, I'm Nikki. Nikki, hi. And these are just four of our recently trained uh, mental health uh, first aiders uh, who are now acting as the school's peer mentors. We've got a team of 12 um, in total, including uh, Miss Farrant and our upper six wellbeing prefect. But uh, our year 12s are, are very much leading from the front on all of this. OK, so those students we've just met, are you all, are you all year 12s? Yeah, we're all year 12s. And have you all been at the school for some years? Yeah, I've been at the school since year seven. I joined Farrington's in year four. Right. I joined in year five, uh, reception. Right, so between you then, you've, you've got a good spread of, of knowing what life at the school's all about, knowing what it's like to be uh, through all those different age groups all the way up through the school. Yeah, I mean, amazing, you know, particularly obviously having Emily here from reception. And I think it's worth just uh, making the point that the students are involved in the junior school and, and, and sort of right down to early years as much as they are in the senior school. So, uh, as you say, that sort of knowledge and experience of, of the school right down to the little ones is, has been invaluable for us. So let's uh, let's get to the topic then. We're talking about mental health today. How does mental health affect uh, students in schools? If I, if I just start by saying, obviously, we recognise that positive mental health means that our students are, are really flourishing and performing at their very best. But of course, poor mental health is, is a real inhibitor on, on confidence and performance. But I, I think it's probably best to hear from the students themselves. And, and I think Emily is going to say something about how poor mental health can, can impact on the students at the school. What are your thoughts, Emily? There's quite a few ways. So one of them is the academic studies and achievements and, you know, kind of the behaviour in the classroom and things like that. Mm. And then you also have the like social and emotional connections. So struggles with friendships, uh, being able to talk to their friends, things like that. And then uh, you've got the motivation side of it. So kind of wanting to achieve well for themselves, do well in their exams, things like that. And then kind of outside of school, I guess, the impact on the family dynamic. So especially if they've got siblings in school too. Right. Yeah, you've outlined quite usefully there how looking after mental health is important because if, if things aren't so good, then yeah, the impacts there do sound quite wide ranging. So, so what's the role of the school then? What is Farrington's role in promoting good mental health and promoting well-being? I think it's really important. It's uh, We're quite a pastoral focused school and it's it's always at the forefront of our minds to make sure that mental well-being is is really positive and 
we understand how much of an impact it has on all of those things that Emily just outlined. So when we think about mental health, we, we make sure that we are encouraging them to have a positive mental attitude. We are giving them skills to, to develop re resilience and reflection and strengthening their emotional connections with staff, with students, with parents and family as well. I wonder if I can invite sort of Elliot perhaps to say something about the skills that he and the rest of the team learned when they had their day's training, um, which was a, a sort of a full day uh, leading to a, a globally recognised qualification on mental health first aid. And um, it, it was a, say a really full and, and busy day and, and I think lots of role play and discussion. But maybe Elliot can just comment on some of the actual practical skills that, that he learned? Yeah, we learned how to identify different mental health issues and what to do with the problems that students may have. I see. Okay. And how do you know, um, as, as, as people looking out for each other, looking out for your, for, for your peers within the school, how do you know if someone's well-being maybe isn't great, if someone could do with some help or some assistance? I think that that measuring and, and monitoring of of the students. If I if I just say something from sort of the, the 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 school perspective, and then I'd be very interested to hear perhaps from Nikki, for example, how how the students feel that that we monitor and and measure. But I, I guess there's two ways that that we do this um, sort of top down. That the first is is actually a, a, a measuring of their well being. We use a tracking tool called AS Steer. Uh, a number of schools use them. And twice a year, the students sit down uh, and they have to answer a number of questions, which are quite abstract, because we all know that if someone asks us how we're feeling, the default answer is almost always, I'm okay, which is not desperately helpful. So it, it invites a, a number of questions and the students comment on how they feel, perhaps regarding sort of trust of others um, and a willingness to disclose um, and a confidence in, in their willingness to share. So that generates some data that we can use uh, in a way that you know teachers and the academic leads in the school might monitor academic data but probably just as importantly if not more so is 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 observational we are a relatively small school we certainly have small classes and that means that the teachers housemaster, housemistress, tutors and so on, know the pupils really, really well. And they're looking for all those red flags and little triggers as to how the students are, um, you know, displaying both in the classroom, the corridors, the dining hall, how they're appearing on the games pitch, on the stage and so on, um, in and around common rooms. So we're, we're constantly monitoring, observing it and sharing our thoughts. But, um, you know, I wonder what it's like for a students sort of to be the opposite side of the desk and how they feel that they are monitored and observed. So I'll just hand you over to Nikki. So in the training, we learned about like what to say and like what phrases, but we also learned about like the signs. Well, could you give me some examples there? You, you mentioned the sort of things that you might say. What, what sort of ideas are you thinking about there? I think it depends on the person. I think you need to learn them on a personal relationship because some of them don't want you to be as close to them, I would say. Yeah, so I think there are a few kind of main ones to avoid in terms of maybe over-questioning someone and not letting them explain how they feel. 
Ah, oh, that's interesting. Right. Rather than recognising that someone's not doing so well and then just bombarding them with questions, it's better to, to, to listen, to, to give them some space? Oh, and listening is just as important as talking because uh, mm-hmm. usually if they don't feel heard or alone, that's quite frustrating. Of course, of course. Thanks. I can talk about the signs if you want me to. Please do, yes. I think it depends on the person. I think some people become very isolated, like from their friendship group and also in the classroom, like they won't talk as much, but some can become like overly chatty. chatty. They try and help others. I think the physical signs, they might start wearing like baggy clothes and also they might start giving up stuff as well. Oh, that's interesting. So sometimes it's not what people say or what they don't say, but there are other clues that that you've been trained to, to look out for. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Mr. Smith or, or, or Miss Farron, I'm just wondering, what sort of training do you provide the staff? We know that these students have been through this brilliant mental health first aiding course. What about the staff? What sort of training do they receive? The training takes sort of various forms. There is, uh, as in, I think, in all schools at the beginning of every term, teachers will come together and, and they will have a, an entire training day. And probably more often than not, there is a, a pastoral mental health element to that. It might be that uh, Miss Farrant is talking to the staff about supporting students with, with sort of self-harming behaviour, for example. There might be more general safeguarding training. But I think probably what is is far more valuable to teachers is for them to sort of get that information little and often. And every Monday I will email all staff. And so it's not just about teachers, it's about minibus drivers and, you know, the catering assistants and the cleaners and uh, the gardeners, all those other staff who who will interact with our students on a day-to-day basis. And I might send them a an article to read, I might send them a a documentary to watch or a a podcast to listen to so that it's part of their day-to-day weekly weekly learning. I I hope the students sitting around me are are not surprised and indeed encouraged that they're not the only ones who are learning every day, that their teachers are are learning too. So, uh, and just like um, I think Emily and Nikki were alluding to, actually some teachers will be more interested in topics than you know certain types of topics than others so it's not about saying you have to learn this it's about saying to teachers look here's all the the different issues and here's where you can learn a little bit more whether it is about supporting pupils who are struggling with perhaps you know anxiety over exams here's more who are perhaps struggling with um with mental health and and relationship issues or or self-harming so it's about giving them the tools to then go away and and support students one-to-one that's good to know so rather than it just being a sort of tick box yes these members of staff have attended this course this training it sounds like a a constant conversation something that that people are always learning about always keen to to know more about and to update themselves about i think that's absolutely right i mean we we encourage the sixth formers sitting here with us that they learn not just by being in the classroom listening to teachers they've got to go away and 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 show some independent study and and be proactive and and teachers are exactly the same of course now we've heard a little about the way that there's a, a level of monitoring and observation going on just to, to be aware of how, how students are doing. Miss Farron, can you tell me a little about what measures the school might take to offer support in the event that, that someone does need that, that help? Yes, of course. So we have multiple avenues of how we how we support students as well as staff, actually. But um, 
we we almost use a, a triage method of um, using the peer mentors, using myself as low level kind of support. And then if if it gets to a point where actually we think that it's a little bit more severe is a strong word, but if it's a little bit more um, important that that we follow this up regularly we we move them on to our in-school counsellor oh i see so they they can have a weekly session with our in-school counsellor and that that is quite a success actually here at farrington's yeah and that would be an ongoing arrangement would it rather than just a a one-off to sort of fix a problem that's more like an ongoing level of support yep absolutely they'll have a regular session until the counsellor and the student in question will agree that they are they are more than happy to to end that session in addition we also allow staff to do that as well I wonder if I can ask uh, any of the students, and obviously they don't need to sort of name names, but but they might know a friend or um, perhaps another student who's had some time with the school counsellor, Mrs Grindley, and can can just sort of comment in very general terms as to how how they found that. Yeah, so I've known on different levels of how people have found the school counsellor. Some people, they just find it easy for a break and just allow them to talk and learn new ways of dealing with things where other people just use it as that time where you can say to someone that will listen about your problems instead of having people tell you their problems and not actually understanding. They use it as a time where someone can be fully listening to them so they can understand and just be there for them when they need it. So for once, it's actually all eyes on them so they can get sorted. That's good to hear. And I'm getting this impression that everybody at Farrington seems to have this very sort of caring, looking out for each other sort of attitude. How important is it, though, that um, you've got a specific member of staff, a specific counsellor to talk to who's maybe you know not a teacher or, or, or not a member of staff who you have day-to-day interaction with, perhaps? I think it can depend because I know some people they have a much closer relationship with certain teachers. So instead of actually going to the counsellor, they feel more comfortable around specific teachers. So they'd speak to them instead. But for others, it's a lot easier to have that kind of person away from someone that teaches you, you see all the time to just an almost a new person you can just talk to and un- they can understand you and you can learn a new person that you can trust. And that's really valuable for, for some students. Yeah, definitely. Excellent. Does anyone else have anything they'd like to share? Again, without needing to tell us anything that's private or or, or, or breach any any confidentiality, but anything else that anyone wants to share that gives us some insight into that? Yeah, so I think the other thing, like kind of similar to what Archie's saying with the school counsellor is there's quite a lot of stigma with mental health and personal struggles. And like a big worry for a lot of people is, you know, if you tell someone how you're feeling and what you're thinking, will that person's perspective of you change? Will they act around you differently? You know, will that change your friendships? Especially if, you know, if you're the person that checks on other people and then you're suddenly asking for help, that's quite a kind of position change and changing where you kind of stand. So with the counsellor, there's quite a separation from your daily life and the people that you speak to daily. And it's quite a private cut-off session. So you can be more open, very safe. Nothing else has to change. That distinction is, is, is quite, it gives you that safety, gives you that security to be able to say what you say, what you need to say, say what's on your mind. You mentioned stigma there. Do you think 
that stigma, that idea of stigma has changed? Um, have things improved? Has the situation got easier? Is that stigma a constant or, or, or is it changing? I think it's definitely changing. It's definitely getting better. So even things like what we're doing, the peer mentors, is a really different way of approaching mental health. And it makes it a bit more relatable for students, a bit more casual, uh, kind of medicalises it less, which I think is really important to feel like, you know, we're talking to them on an individual level, not on a kind of defining them as their struggle, which is so important for so many people. So yeah, definitely think it's changing much more open. It's spoke about in a kind of less kind of serious, dramatic way. It's normalised, which is so important. That's really good to hear. Does anyone else have any views on that one? Do you think the way people talk about mental health and think about mental health is changing? Yeah, I think um, as a boy, maybe 10 years ago, men were meant to be or even now they're meant to be that strong man that doesn't show any emotion or anything like that but I think um, especially in a school when there is lots of boys with stresses and worries that they do have people to talk to and that it is normal to feel feelings which women and girls also have which is like being upset and being worried and scared boys feel the same and it should be normal that they do feel that. I'm so pleased you said that because I think that's something that a lot of men and boys will probably listen to and and relate to. Um, maybe those expectations about what you share and what you keep to yourself, uh, maybe they have changed and maybe that is a really good improvement to hear about. So, so thank you for that. So I'm getting the impression that there is this supporting environment at Farrington's and that if anyone feels like things aren't right or, or, or they're concerned about something or they're feeling anxious, it sounds like you all know where you can go, whether that is to each other or to a teacher or to the, the school counsellor. It sounds like that that choice and that flexibility is, is really helpful. Yeah, I, I feel like in the school you can you can go anywhere and there will be support one way or another, whether that's a teacher getting a, another teacher to help or uh, if that's just the teacher helping the self but some of the places you can go is Miss Farrant's wellbeing room oh tell us about that well it's it's always open so anyone can go in there just sit in there just have a minute by themselves or if Miss Farrant's in there talk to Miss Farron. Um and it's just a safe space that you could just go to and talk about anything you anything you want to talk about any problems that you have Miss Farron, is your wellbeing room, is that a recent innovation? Yes. Within the last two years, we've, we've put in this wellbeing room and it's, it's a nice space where there are sofas and beanbags and lots of things to look at on the walls. So if a student is really struggling with a, a particular uh, element of life, whether it's at home or, or struggling with just a lesson, they, they have the ability to come out and take 10 minutes and just relax. And whether it is, like Elliot said, to talk to me or just to zone out for a little bit and have that, have that quiet time, it's a, it's a fantastic um, use of space and it is really, really well appreciated by a lot of the students, actually. That does sound good. And it backs up what we heard just then about this idea that it doesn't have to be something medicalised, does it? It doesn't have to be, I've got an issue, it needs to be dealt with through certain channels. It's more like, I just need that space. I just need that chat. I just need Miss Farrant to, to chat to me for a little bit. And, and that's what I'll need to, to, to help me out. No, absolutely. Um, 
we always try to compare it to physical health and it doesn't have to be a major thing like, for example, a break of a bone. It can be like a cut on the finger that you need a plaster. So you just need that little bit of time out to reset your mind and then and then continue with the day. Sounds really positive. I've got one more question. Uh, perhaps this is one for, for Mr. Smith. What can parents or, or, or guardians do to sort of be part of this, this really positive sounding journey? If we all want to support students' mental health, we all want to uh, look out for the well-being of, of the children we care for, what can parents and guardians know? Yeah, I, I think that partnership's really important. And I, I might just hand over to, to perhaps Nikki in a moment. And, you know, she might want to just comment on on perhaps, uh, you know, whether her parents uh, sort of would, would, would back me up on this. But we, we do try and involve them. And, and that's probably through two, two main channels. The first is that we will have typically monthly a flourish at Farrington's uh, sort of seminar Q&A session, which is on a Monday evening from seven till eight. It, it, it's on Zoom. One of the perhaps few benefits of, of COVID was that we all suddenly learned that we can do things online in an interesting and perhaps more convenient way. So on a Monday evening, um, from the comfort of their sofas, parents can dial in. And we've had experts talking about teenage resilience, uh, about gambling addiction, about food and nutrition about online safety. And, and so they're getting that that sort of expert advice, not from the school, but from real uh, sort of um, leading figures in, in their areas. Uh, and then the second one, which is a relatively new uh, development and, and a bit of a shout out for uh, Teen Tips um, by Alicia Drummond and their wellbeing hub. And all of our uh, pupils' parents can now log in and have access to an extraordinary sort of uh, armory of well-being resources from podcasts, uh, a little bit like this, to webinars, to blogs, to FAQs um, on the very latest sort of uh, mental health and well-being issues. But I'm interested to hear from Nikki, who um, has, a, has a brother in the school as well. So there's, there's two of them um, about what their parents sort of uh, feel, how the school engages with them. I think it's good that Farrington's have built a relationship with the parents because I think, especially with my parents, they do check up on me on mental health and my other younger two brothers. So my brother's in year 10 and then I have another brother in year three. I think with the junior school, it's a different approach, but hopefully we'll be working with the junior school in the upcoming weeks. But obviously they are younger, so they're going to have different mental problems compared to the senior school. When you say working with the junior school, in, in what sort of way? I think at break time, hopefully me and Emily, we're going to have that break monitor role and we'll go over there and walk around at break time on the field and the playground and they can just come up to us and tell them about their problems. That's really nice. So younger children who maybe don't know how to talk about or, or how to feel about these sorts of things, that, that sort of listening ear of an older child that they can look up to, who can listen to them, that sounds a really positive thing to do. Yeah, just also as well, like with the junior school, for older students in the junior school, so kind of like year six age, obviously they're not going to be dealing with issues that are necessarily quite as complex as a senior school member. But, you know, they will be experiencing things like anxiety and other issues. And at that age, a lot of the time, you, know, you don't know what's happening to you and you don't realise, you know, I've known of younger students who have had panic attacks and then not till they're much, much older that they go, oh my God, I, you know, I had no idea I was so scared. And I just, I didn't say anything to anyone and nobody ever explained kind of what it was. 
So if we're there and we kind of see that happening, we can make sure they don't have to wait years and years to realise how to deal with things, what the issues is. And in, in that way, there's less stress for them in senior school because they, they know how to deal with it sooner. I feel the peer mentor programme that the school have set up, it allows for a change in how students can look towards mental health because I definitely know some people prefer talking to an older person, but a large majority of people would feel more comfortable talking to a peer, someone that's not going to judge them, someone that's not going to almost when they're teaching them that you can look up to the teacher and think, oh, wait, are they actually looking at me and thinking about issues? But with a student, it's really different because you just walk around them in the corridor. They can see everything going on and you can relate to them because we've all gone through the same years. We've all gone through similar things. So it's a lot easier talking to someone who's had very similar experiences recently that they can really feel comfortable to open up on. And it just allows you to hear more from more people that maybe you wouldn't have if it was just teachers and if this program wasn't in place. That is such a really reassuring thing to hear, that that sort of older brother, older sister role, that reassurance that, that, that you can offer to those younger children. Um, I'm so pleased you're doing that. It sounds wonderful. So I've learned so much while chatting to, to all of you about the approach that's taken at, at Farrington's to looking after well-being, to thinking about mental health. And, and the real sort of positive feeling I'm getting from it is quite notable. Are there any changes? Are there any developments? Uh, what's happening with the approach to mental health going forward? Anyth anything else in the pipeline that would be good to know about? I think it's great to hear from from um, Emily and uh, Nikki and Archie there. Um, what what they don't know is that the the next phase in all of this is going to be how we then move beyond just, I use that word very carefully, mental health first aid training, because actually we we want them to be doing so much more. Um, so we will be looking at training in issues such as bereavement, in bullying, in online bullying, and, and, and being ambassadors in all of those areas, because we all know that all those issues that, you know, that, that Elliot particularly was talking very powerfully about, they are probably far better place to be talking about what is it like to live in an online environment than someone like myself who didn't have to go through all of that when, when he was at school. So the, the next phase will be for, for them to be even more comprehensively trained and then to sort of pass the baton on to the next year 12s and, and so on. And, and I will just want to say uh, in front of them all, Miss Farrington and I are so proud of them because there will come a moment where future peer mentors will say, oh, I'm really enjoying this. And I learned so much by watching how those peer mentors did it a year above me and so on. These guys, they haven't had those role models. They are our role models. Um, and so it's been just great to watch them lead from the front as as sort of uh, the, the, the trailblazers for this project. So I think it's going to be more training and greater exposure. And they'll head off to university, hopefully taking all those skills with them, but leave behind a real legacy of, um, of future peer mentors at the school. And it's been absolutely great to, to meet everyone today. It's been so impressive to, to see what you peer mentors are up to, the approach you're taking with this and the care that you show for, for everyone around you. And it's been impressive also to chat to Mr Smith and Miss Farron, who 
obviously been leading this in in such a positive way and good to know that you're not resting on your laurels you're always keeping an eye on what the future holds what might change the next challenges that come along and the way that you'll deal with those there at farrington's thank you so much all of you to mr smith to miss farrant to emily elliot archie and nikki our peer mentors it's been brilliant to meet you thanks very much bye thank now you. We were chatting there to Farrington's peer mentors, Emily, Elliot, Archie and Nikki, as well as staff members Simon Smith and Blair Farrant. They helped us understand Farrington's approach to mental health and how some training has equipped them with the skills to take care of the well-being of everyone in the school. They made it clear to us how it's important to look out for the signs that something might be wrong and how to offer their friends and peers the time and space to really be listened to.